You're listening to The Mumbrella Cast. The Mumbrella Cast. Welcome to this week's Mumbrella Cast special. I'm Callum Jaspin, and in this interview, I chat to Paul Cowan, former admin turned consultant and author of the new book, Connecting with Clients. During his storied career, Cowan has worked at successful international agencies, including Ogilvy and Mather and Saatchi and Saatchi, before founding his own agency, Cowan Kensley Taylor. After leaving the ad industry, Paul picked up two master's degrees, then turned his hand to consultancy, co-founding the Client Relationship Consultancy, which now operates globally. Here, Paul talks to me about how to ensure a healthy relationship between brands and agencies, the mistakes agencies make then and now, how COVID has changed the client-agency relationship, and why now is the time to write about all of it. Paul joins me now. Paul Cowan, uh, welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. Thank you very much indeed. It's good to be with you today. Yes, very good to have you. You've just um, released your new book, Connecting with Clients. It's about stronger, more rewarding, and longer-lasting client relationships. Paul, why have you decided that now is the time to publish a book about connecting with clients? Are we doing it wrong? Uh, well, it's taken me uh, about four years to finally publish it. It's just a happy coincidence that it's come out right now. I say a happy coincidence. You know, there couldn't be a better time uh, to bring out a book on client relationships. Um the challenges right now have never been so extreme for, for uh, clients and agencies. The pandemic has put enormous pressure on, on, on agencies. And, you know, if we think about um, the period now, we're just recording this uh, third week of June um, uh, 2021, uh, clients have enormous expectations of agencies uh, and yet the resource isn't there to deliver those expectations right now. You know, for example, in Australia and New Zealand, I think there are more open positions in agencies than there ever have been before. So the pressure on existing teams to deliver is enormous. And that is a big challenge. And at the same time, you know, client expectations have never been higher as well. And they've never been higher because agencies really did respond fantastically over the last year, responding really quickly to the pressure that clients were under um, as a result of the pandemic. And so client expectations are, have been elevated by that. So right now there's you know this resource squeeze, high client expectations, and that is a, a, a massive problem. And this book... Uh, is about how to, in effect, draw ideas from outside the business uh, to have a really positive impact. You know, you want to be simplistic about it. I suppose it's, you know, how can we be more effective? How can we build more effective uh, client relationships? But I think it is about this is a great time to look outside the business uh, for different ideas. I've looked outside the business because having been uh, in agencies and then working as an organizational change agent or psychologist and then as a psychotherapist, you know, I've, I've come across ideas. I thought, wow, I wish I'd known about that. I wish I'd, I'd started my career knowing about these different ways of, of managing relationships. And really, this is the ideal opportunity to bring those uh, to the business. You know, just in the same way that 
the airline business, um, the low-cost airline business, uh, looked to Formula One uh, and the way in which Formula One cars were refueled. Um, airlines looked at the way they did it to work out, well, how can we turn around um, our aeroplanes in super quick time? You know, and when people first started, surgeons first started uh, uh, trying to restitch arteries and veins, they looked to lace makers to understand how they could stitch these very fine um, bits of the human body together. I've looked outside in the same way. And so the book is, uh, I think, brilliantly timed to help agencies right now with new ideas, new possibilities, new thoughts, new thinking uh, to help the underlying relationships. So as you've said there, you came up with the idea and started working on the book well before COVID was even within our minds. Uh, you've worked in agencies and, and ran agencies. Are the are the mistakes being made the same now as they were back then when you were working at different agencies or are they, or have they evolved? <laughs> I think interpersonal and interteam relationships are, have always existed. You know, I'm sure if we could go back to, um, to early man in the cave um, and listened in to uh, the conversations that went on between uh, the groups of people living in a cave, we'd hear very similar uh, problems emerging and very similar conversations about, you know, why didn't something happen? Why weren't my expectations met? It might be in the form of grunts, but I think sometimes it's in the form of grunts these days as well. Um, you know, thing, there will always be um, interpersonal and inter-team issues. And so they haven't changed at all. Uh, and importantly, what hasn't changed is that, um, you know, as we uh, use technology, um, we, you know, once I say hasn't changed, we, we, you know, technology has come along, but we haven't yet learned how best to work with technology in terms of communicating with each other and effectively working together. There, there was quite a quick adaption, though, uh, in terms of, you know, COVID. Um, working with technology and you know making that adaption into the client relationship but just um going back to sorry just what the foundation of where we started there what is would you say the fundamental building block of a successful agent client relationship when they you know when they first do come together and the uh the account is one well i like to think about all client relationships operating on two levels um and if you're listening to this, if you had a piece of paper, you could kind of put a line through the middle of the paper from left to right. And above the line is problem A. And below the line is problem B. Problem A is all about the task at hand. The budget, the strategy, the sign-off, the delivery, the, you know, the research, the strategy, uh, the post-activity uh, uh, analysis, all of that stuff. And that's where everybody in any agency will spend 99% of her time or his time below problem A, on the bottom part of the page, is problem B. And problem B is, how are we getting on together? How are we communicating? To what degree do we trust each other, have faith or confidence in each other? 
Now, the problem uh, for clients and for agencies is that however well the agency delivers problem A, it's the client's experience is always mediated by problem B. How do we feel about the agency? How are we getting on together? And the fundamental for a building block for me is not just about problem A, the efficacy or the, um, the way in which the agency tackles the work or delivers the work, whatever it is. It's about having a successful problem B um, strategy and delivery, making sure the relationship itself is effective. You know, we often hear that agencies, um, you know, uh, win the business for the work, but lose it for the relationship. And that is one of the enduring parts of <laughs> the business. It's never been different. Uh, and in this year of the pitch, uh, when there's, uh, I, we talk about it as the year of the pitch because there's so many pitches going on, um, it's never been truer. But you really, you know, if I, if I was working in an agency right now, uh, my at least 10% of my daily attention would be on problem B. So for me, those are the, yeah, those are the successful building blocks and equal problem A and problem B. So what would, what would an agency and I guess in return a client do to ensure that that, that doesn't happen going forward after, you've, after the pitching process? Because in theory, that's in theory, as you say, that is the building block of a relationship. But how do you ensure that you don't lose sight of that? Uh, well, we'd need uh, a couple of days to talk about that, um, <laughs> or you can just buy a copy of the book. <laughs> um, uh, if I wanted to be really simplistic about it, um, um, then understanding not just the functional aspects and agreeing not just the functional aspects of the relationship but the interpersonal relationships and how, how those are managed and the degree to which um, uh, the client and the agency can operate transparently with each other is fundamentally important. Uh, bringing openness and clarity and honesty is uh, critical. The problem with uh, uh, openness, honesty, and clarity is that we are all socialized not to tell the truth. You know, if you think about uh, little kids growing up and you're told, you know, well, don't tell granny she's got bad breath or, you know, hairs on her chin or whatever it is, uh, or grandpa smells or whatever, uh, you know, that kind of socialization <clears throat> where we are socialized not to tell the truth. And within an organizational context, we also have uh, uh, team um, or organizational um, barriers or secrets, whatever you want to call them. And those things get in the way. Uh, so it is a real challenge, this notion of, of being open, honest uh, and, and clear. So that, but that is the most important thing. And then on the other side of the coin, um, what are some of the warning signs that a relationship may be breaking down or what are some of the warning signs that a client may be looking to call a review? Uh, well, um, for those uh, who, who are listening that don't use uh, um, uh, the client relationship consultancy, which offers uh, um, many agencies in Australia, 
uh, a way of checking in on their clients. If you don't have an effective system, put one in place uh, because it's really, really important. The warning signs for me, I, I think about are, you know, as a therapist um, working with individuals, I use the notion of the working alliance uh, to understand whether or not um, uh, the work I was doing with the client would be successful and whether the client would continue. And I guess there were three parts to that. The first is, was there a clarity about what we were doing together and just with clients and agencies? Is there a real understanding of what are our goals? Uh, and is there a consensus on what is going to make this successful? Do we really understand that? And the second part is, is there a basic trust? Is there a trust uh, in me as a therapist? Um, and is that evidenced by the way in which the, my client my, my client will respond? And in agencies, the same is true. Does the client actually trust and, and have confidence in the recommendations? Now, are they demonstrating that? Are they going along with that? Um, and the third part is, uh, is there a commitment to staying engaged with the process when things go wrong, and things will always go wrong. Um, and uh, with a therapy client, will, will they stay with that process and stay engaged and stay believing in the process? Uh, and the same applies with clients and agencies. Now, using that as a quick sort of mental checklist, you can go through any any uh, client and just think about, or any account and think, hmm, are they showing up on time? Are they giving effective briefs? Are they really communicating with us openly and cl clearly? Um, you know, are they accepting our recommendations um, and are they sticking with us and able to discuss what's going wrong and not point fingers rather than point fingers and blame? Uh, that would be a sort of quick mental checklist. You can do it in about 10 seconds. A further thing for me is a real indicator uh, when I'm sitting with agency teams. The moment somebody says, this is a really difficult, or, or she's a or he's a, or they are, right, uh, with a slight criticism of, or even overt criticism, they know nothing, they wouldn't understand a good brief, or if it slapped them around the head, or whatever it is, at that moment, I know that there is a problem in the relationship, because all of those, their finger pointing activities, puts the blame on the client, which means there is a psychological separation between the client and the agency. At that point, then yep. that is the opening for uh, to realise that the client is probably feeling the same thing as well. You know, in couples, often if one partner complains of something, the other partner is also feeling uh, a certain way, and the same works between teams. So if the agency starts to complain, probably the client is too, and that is a warning sign. That's a wake-up call. You know, even if the, 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 the issues aren't that uh, clear and transparent yet, the writing is on the wall. That is the first step into the descent of um, difficulty, I would describe it as. So you, you spoke before about um, the, the year of the pitch uh, being this year. Do you see us to be in a particular period or era in client agency relationships? Is it a golden era or is it a bit of a period of crap <laughs> i love the polarity of <laughs> is it a golden yeah. era of crap well okay let me be positive <laughs> um brilliant I, I i really love the agency business you know whichever agency whatever market 
Why? Because it's always changing. It's always a golden era. You know, it's it's never stopped changing right from the first agency setting up, uh, you know, in, uh, there was, I think, the first agency could claim to be in, in the UK, but there's competing claims. You know, they weren't just doing media selling or, 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 or creating little ads. They, they were doing other things as well. And the business has changed and developed, and it does so the whole time. Look, I think about, um, you know, uh, agencies as like organisms. Um, if we think about um, an organism, it moves towards heat, it moves towards light, uh, it moves towards moisture, right? And that is what an agency does. It goes where the opportunities are. And the bits of the agency that, that aren't being refreshed by light, heat, or, or water, they just die away. And so the business continues to evolve the whole time. By the way, by contrast, I think about client organizations as organizations as machine. Um, you know, they're long-term, uh, often very capital-intensive, and they're looking for small incremental changes. And they're very different. Everything is delineated, structured, um, and disciplined. Agencies are, by and large, and of course, they're going to, people are going to dispute this, but and say, no, 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 we work in, you know, a highly disciplined buying structure or whatever it is. Yes, but as a macro way of a metaphor, then thinking about agencies as organisms is really helpful. And they're always growing and springing up, and there's new varieties, and you know, yeah. So I think it's a golden era all the time. talk about optimism bias in in the book um and in particular in agencies which is the tendency to look at uh potentially problem accounts in a overly positive lens can you just expand on this a bit and i guess explain um why this occurs well um <laughs> i love optimism bias you know we have to be optimistic as human beings we get up every day believing today is going to be slightly better than yesterday well most of us do um when we're in a good state you know some some of us have suffered rather in lockdown and uh, um but by and large the human condition is uh, one of optimism it's a one of survival uh which is really strange because we're, we're the only species that know it's knows it from day one it's going to die um you know so we have to be optimists but in the range of optimism, um, there are two particular personality types um, which are drawn to agency of all sorts. And those two personality types which predominate in agencies are associated with high levels of optimism. One is about failure avoidance or the drive towards success. And the other is the drive towards interesting new ideas and thinking. And so there's this high proportion of high optimists in the business. Uh, inevitably, uh, want to think the best and are often blinded to, there's a kind of lacuna or, or uh, a blindness uh, to downside thinking. And the result is that agencies are often blindsided when the evidence in retrospect is very clear for them to see. The antidote uh, to optimism bias is a very healthy dose of scepticism or what could go wrong. Uh, the problem is for these two personality groups, of which there are a lot in the business, is that 
um, skepticism doesn't come easily. <laughs> and uh, so I don't see a particular long-term resolve to this. I think it's, uh, it's unless agencies can, can begin to nurture those people uh, that have a different, broader perspective on, on the world that is not just so optimistic. And again, the, the book talks about um, another chapter covers the forced relationship of, uh, I think you refer to it as global pain, local, sorry, global gain, local pain. Um, a few examples of this being a new CMO coming in or a new agency CEO, ECD joining. It's one of the interesting aspects of the industry um, when you take into account high turnover in roles such as CMO. How do you overcome the challenges that a forced relationship poses? Yeah, forced relationships. Look, we, we all uh, experience change in our lives, uh, and there's two types of change. There's intentional change. There's a change I want and I'm, I'm seeking, uh, and when I get it, I'm happy. And there's unintentional change, change that's forced upon me. Um, the reason I called the, the uh, chapter, I describe it, um, uh, Global pain, Gain, Local Pain, is that it's the most easy to understand and, and to evidence. Um, so if, if I'm the CMO of a local office uh, of a, uh, an international um, client and I've just been realigned into an agency, uh, I experience unintentional change. And uh, that reminds me that I'm not particularly powerful um, and uh, that actually this is going to cause uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of work for me and my team. And it also then potentially throws into to question the efficacy of whatever work we're, we're indulged with the current uh, agency. Um, so it brings up all kinds of issues. So the most important thing, for, for, for if, I, if I'm a client, is that my new agency uh, make contact with me really quickly. And uh, instead of doing the creds or uh, telling me how delighted they are to win the business, they, they engage me in a dialogue about what are the problems I now experience? What are the issues? And I think one of the ways of addressing any un, uh, unintentional forced change is to inquire first about what are the problems that are likely to be experienced. Now, if an agency comes to me as a CMO and starts asking me about that, what it does is it allows me to get rid of my, my stuff, uh, my negative feelings, uh, to express them, particularly if I'm facilitated well to do so. And it only gives me one place to go, and that is to be positive. Because we've done all the negatives, we might as well be positive. So. I'm forced into leading that positive conversation. And that then is a really effective way of dealing with um, this unintentional change. So dealing with the problems rather than the opportunities in that first quick contact. So, Paul, you are, I believe you're speaking to me from London today. Um, I'm obviously in Melbourne. Uh, we speak about these global challenges, but on a more kind of honed-in macro level, are the challenges around the agency-client relationship different or uh, to, in the UK and Europe as they are in Australia? Obviously, you know, we're all, we're all people, but uh, culture can affect us differently. Um, well, there's different things going on at the moment. Um, uh, 
you know, right now <laughs> in Victoria, you're, you're, you're able to walk the streets and go out and about. But if you're in the CBD or the eastern suburbs of Sydney, you're locked down and you're back <laughs> having relationship challenges over the internet with your clients. Um, uh, so I think, I think you could say, well, that there are different challenges at any one time in the short term. In the longer term, we are all people. Um, and we all suffer from the same interpersonal and interteam struggles. Um, there are slight cultural differences, which I do talk about in the book. Um, so the, for example, um, you know, in Japan, there's a, um, in terms of an approach to working with clients, there'll be a lot of consensus building. Um, and, you know, meetings are very different in terms of just simple things like, how long do people talk for and what are the pauses in conversations? These are indicators of what goes on between clients and agencies and consensus building is terribly important. Go to China and the um, uh, the inter interpersonal communication is often uh, a little more direct or call it abrasive and... Um, the reliance on um, uh, uh, technology is, is higher um, and mobile phones rather than um, email. I think there are slight differences, but at the end, uh, managing expectations, effective communication, um, staying uh, confident in the relationship and investing in, in the relationship, you know, these are things that are... Uh, similar across the globe. Yeah, and and I know you you touched on at the start about how agencies have adapted well to the challenges that uh, the pandemic has posed. But um, how do you think the the COVID has changed the momentum of the client agency relationship, and where do you see it moving forward from here? Yes, I did mention it. It's the speed with which um, the agencies uh, um, were able to, uh, and did respond to the clients uh, set expectations um, uh, unconsciously with clients. It wasn't ever agreed or written down as a contract. Um, and we can call that a psychological contract. If I start suddenly responding to your functional needs as a client and I really do deliver, then I expect that to continue. Um, I, I, th I think, and I'm not going to answer your question directly, but more obliquely, I think that the most important thing um, right now is that agencies invest time in managing expectations, particularly in Australia and New Zealand, uh, where where you know money has come back into the marketplace very quickly, much higher than uh, the available resource. Managing expectations. And I think that is true, though, across the globe, um, that, you know, the, the, there is um, a responsibility almost uh, for agencies to take the lead in shaping the nature of relationships in the future rather than um, responding continually to client demands and expectations. It's, it's not an easy conversation, but it's an adult-to-adult -adult conversation that does need to happen. Uh, and what we've seen many reports of the stress of working in agencies and the importance of mental health. Uh, now, it's entirely within the uh, uh, 
you know, grasp of agencies to take the initiative here. And it can be done on a case-by-case, client-by-client, individual-by-individual basis. Um, and it's not about crying off. This is about how to get the best work from agencies. Uh, and there is an opportunity and a need for, client, to, for agencies to train clients to do better, to be better clients, uh, and to use the agencies better. Um, so I'm sorry, that's not a, not a direct answer, but it's the best answer I can give you right now. No, of course. Uh, and just kind of staying on topic a little bit, COVID has brought around, obviously, as things continue to return back to what we would consider a normal, we have hybrid working and at Mumbrella, we've particularly been monitoring the debates around um, returning to the office. What What are your thoughts on remote working, hybrid working, uh, should we all return to the office? I think in the book you laud the benefits of walking the corridors and um, you know what that can provide you provide you with. Sorry, uh, is there? A, I'll, I'll let you answer that in multiple parts. But is there you know anything that can be replicated from doing that at home? Um, okay, so there's a number of questions to un- unpack those. Um, <laughs> uh, I- I have I, I I can't answer the question about uh, the implicit question of you know should agencies uh, be bringing their staff back in that has to be based on um, um, data scientific advice and also um, decisions taken by agencies so I can only talk from you know the, the, what's most effective in terms of teamwork and as human beings um, we operate most effectively when we are face to face. Um, the further the distance, the um, the more the opportunity for transactional relationships and for um, the psychological reward uh, to dissipate. So personally, I would say back into the offices when it is possible, as soon as it is possible. That is going to have a um, an effect both on the psychology of the teams in terms of motivation in terms of their their well-being um, and in terms of effective inter-team work and teamwork with clients, being in, back in contact with clients. You know, we communicate. We only, and this is, I write about this in the book, we only, in terms of communication, only between 5 and 7% of words, that's what we're doing now, is actually um, um, part of communication. The rest uh, is uh, 38% tone of voice and all that sort of stuff. And that doesn't happen over the internet. Buffering um, really does inhibit uh, the efficacy of our mm-hmm. auditory channel. And, um, you know, big chunk, 55 or so percent, is about how we interpersonally communicate when we're in the same room together. Um, and, you know, it's vital that, that we, are, we, are, we are together. Uh, so I would say that whether that means we're working some of the time from home uh, and some of the time by agreement in the office, who knows? And maybe that's a jolly good thing. You know, uh, um, personally, the idea of working a couple of days from home and the rest in the office would be great for me. Uh, and I think many people would nod along. On the other hand, it does depend by generational stage. And, uh, um, you know, for those younger people, um, God, that makes me sound old. Uh, But let me just go with that. For those younger people, you know, often there's a big social element to being in the office and around the big cities. And uh, for those with kids, it's often nice to have a couple of days at home. (laughs) 
yeah, the best I can do on that. It, it's funny that you you phrase it in that way because from a lot of the people I've spoken to uh, within agencies here seem to think it's the young people that like staying home. So, uh, I mean, I know, I know in particular in Sydney this, uh, um, this coming week, it's going to be school holidays um, and they're going to be uh, in lockdown at home. So I feel for everyone in Sydney, but that's, um, that's the reality of it, isn't it? Um, yeah. You have all the information that you present in the book, but how easy do you think i know this is a very very general and uh hard to answer question um directly but how easy do you think it would be for some of the the largest agencies to to effectively apply this information uh well look i've written the book for everybody from the first day graduate to a global ceo there are ideas in the book and the book um is an easy to read book um it's the third iteration um the second iteration, I was told by by colleagues, it was just uh, it was boring, it was tedious, it was an academic style. So I've written it as a <clears throat> you know a really easy anywhere between thirty seconds and five minutes for each each section. You know you don't have to read it from cover to cover. <clears throat> Anybody can apply these ideas, and by the way, you can apply them at home too. Um, yeah, um, you know it comes from psychology and uh, and psychotherapy. Um, so yeah, you can try them on your partner or your <clears throat> when you're dating or with your <clears throat> with your kids as well. Um, so I think it's really really easy. You know, a, a, a CEO of a big uh, global agency did ask me about whether I'd be tra- turning this into a training module, and it's uh, or modules um, o- o- online or or face to face, and um, I, uh, both are you know, in, in an early stage of gestation, actually. Um, but yeah, just pick up the book and read and get, get inspired. Try it. You know, they're ideas, you know, um, and ideas will provoke other ideas. And but, you know, I say to everybody, look, it's, it's not the, the holy grail, this, this book. It's a starter. And if somebody has a better idea, please let me know because I'll build it into the next book. Um, <laughs> go and play with the ideas. Make them your own. Try them out. Have fun. You know, problem B is is about fun and it is about um, just making things better so that the client and the agency have better experiences of each other and find it easier to work together. Now, finding it easier work to work together, wow, that's going to be pretty good. That That is, you know, a, a real competitive advantage for the future for those people who do grasp it and say, actually, I'm going to give this relationship stuff a bit of a go. Um and yeah, I can get better at writing briefs or presentations, but actually, wow, if I have a better relationship with my client, that's going to put, yeah, that'll put dollars on my, on my, on my salary, you know, next year and the year after and the year after. That's not bad. And just to end on, Paul, uh, I, I know it's a bit of a cliche question to ask, but um, if you could take one piece of advice uh, and and give it to your former self when starting out, what, what what would that be? Well, of course, if the book was around, I'd say buy the book and, and apply it. Uh, That's but if easy. it was just one piece, <laughs> uh, yeah. but if it was one piece of advice, um, yeah, well, I learned this from uh, Jim Kelly, who was running a company called Rainey Kelly, um, which was then a WPP agency. And, um, you know, Jim... Uh, said to me, oh, said, write, write down um, all your clients that you, you have contact with and that you are responsible for. 
by name, individuals by name, and write them down in descending order. So the one, your favorite ones are at the top and you work all the way down to the bottom uh, and do that on a Friday evening. And then on a Monday morning, come in and start calling, yes, calling your clients individually from the bottom of that list upwards. And don't get to the top of the list until you've called everyone at the bottom. We unconsciously avoid people we don't want, we, we have a problem with or are feeling slightly antsy about or negative about or are concerned about. We avoid them. And those are the people to talk to first. That would be my one piece of advice. Brilliant. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the Mumbrella Cast. It's been great having you on. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Thanks again to Paul for coming on. And don't forget to catch this week's regular episode on Thursday afternoon. I'm Callum Jaspin. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.